Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today once again by Meredith. Oh, hello. Uh, so before we started recording, you asked me if I had seen the haunted subway yet. Right. I have not. We talked about it on Light Treason News, how the MTA had this terrible idea where they were like, hey, everybody's mad at us right now. I know what you guys want. A haunted subway. Yeah. Which is not what we want. We want trains that run on time and more trains so people aren't smushed together, stuff like that. Literally no one asked for this. And then you asked me if I had seen what they did, and I have not. So tell me. So uh, the important thing to add is that the MTA was doing this in conjunction with the NYPD Transit Division. Cool. So our two favorite things, the so, underfunded subways and a uh, strong police presence. Mm-hmm. Cool. So in the Union Square station, in the sort of, there's an area that leads to a transit police office. It's like right. set off to the side. You can see some of the metal barriers and then you can kind of walk into an office. So they set up a mock graveyard. Cool. So let's, you know, just... I, The MTA, like somebody in the Office of Public Affairs was coming up with ideas about how to make the MTA and the NYPD seem a little bit Mm -hmm. warmer and cuddlier and playful. playful Yeah. And, uh, you know, the the. The occupying force responsible for the deaths of countless black and brown men. Guys, what's in the news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Yeah. Police brutality. Mm-hmm. Police shootings. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All you right. know what would be shootings. hilarious? Shooting makes me think of death. Death makes me think of cemeteries. I've got it. I've yeah. got it. Yeah. Like, I think that if you work for the NYPD, you want to put as much breathing room between the idea of police and death. Yeah. You really. As uh, possible. You, you really don't want to give anyone the opportunity to say, put the names of some of the people you've killed onto yeah. one of those things. Because I'm fairly certain that. I've seen headstones at protests I will against say, police, will be police murder. Amazing if someone writes Eric Garner's name yeah. on one of the headstones. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, sad, but also good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw a couple of pictures of, of it on uh, on Twitter because I had not, had not looked at it. But apparently that just didn't phase anyone. So, cool. yeah. Good job, guys. Way to get into the holiday spirit. Yeah. Also, way to stay connected with, like, the people you're supposedly protecting, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Just yeah. got their, their fingers on the pulse of the city. <laughs> We're not going to fix the trains, and here's a bunch of headstones to yeah. remind you of death when you think of the NYPD. Not, I mean, it may scare some teenagers out of fair jumping. Oh, yeah. Like, the, big, the biggest threat to the city, I think we can all agree, teenagers jumping the turnstiles yeah. Yeah. should be incarcerated for life. Yeah. Watch <laughs> out, kids. You know, it's not showtime. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you dare dance on the subway, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Do you remember when that kid jumped the turnstile in Brooklyn and they sent a helicopter after him? Oh, I sure do. That was a reasoned response to losing two dollars fare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So while we're in the pop culture section, I also wanted to ask you if you have any new recce recs for everyone. Uh, I do. Uh, one. You know, keeping in the theme of Halloween and my love of all things horror. There is a eight part uh, podcast that is now I can't. It's Halloween Unmasked is what it's Ooh. called. Uh, Amy Nicholson, the co-host of uh, Unspooled, uh, which I've love. also talked about, uh, hosts a deep dive into the history, 
con like history, cultural context, and then legacy of the movie Halloween. Oh, fun. and she interviews all of the people who are like intimately involved. So she's got John Carpenter, she's got Jamie Lee Curtis, she's got like several of the producers, um, like experts uh, in other forms of horror. She talks to a psychologist, like a, a mental health professional, who's so interested in the way that mental mental health and mental illness is portrayed in uh slasher movies that he teaches a class on like how the mental health profession like professionals in these fictional movies are like fail the people that's so cool yeah he talks about like how dr loomis is like the world's worst psychiatrist (laughs) because he's like why is like if he's had him in an institution since he was six years old and he's still nonverbal and violent, he's done a terrible job <laughs> and should true. have been trying some very different treatments. Yeah, how many horror <laughs> films are about like, or really a story about failing mental health care professionals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's such a cool idea. I love her too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's really she's great. She's great in Unspooled as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that like, I just really enjoyed... Um, I'm really enjoying it. I think I'm on number six and it's just full of curiosity and the stories of people, you know, some of it you might've heard a little bit before and the legends of it, but it also gives a ton of credit to Deborah Hill, who is the uh, producer and co-writer. And uh, when they made the movie, like she and John Carpenter were an item, but they ended up becoming, they ended up still maintaining a relationship until her death. And so like she was very supportive of him and they were like, they knew one another. So she's like often gets lost in the John Carpenter auteur story, but um, it's awesome to see her like giving props. And she was like 27 years old when they made the movie. So it's like the oldest person on the set was like 33. Right. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's really great. Also, um, what was the other thing I was going to recommend? Um, it was horror. It was something. Oh, I have an anti rec, and Ooh, maybe this is an anti rec that if people disagree with me, I would love to hear from them because Hashtag I feel like it. Light treason pod. Um, I really did not like the most recent episode of Doctor Who. Ooh, okay. Uh, it is the Doctor and her three companions travel to 1955, uh, Alabama, and then um meet Rosa Parks the day before she gets arrested for the for her bus protest (laughs) no I know and I read multiple reviews because like it's there's so there's a lot of sweetness there's an element of like childlike historical fiction you know where you write it you know why I was laughing it feels very after school special yeah well it it does and it uh, learning that the woman who wrote the co-wrote the episode with the the showrunner is the uh was a award-winning YA author. Um, and the first... She's the first black, black woman, woman to write for the show in the history. Which is um, insane. I know. And also, so there's like an element to me where I'm like, okay, I don't want to like shit on it too yeah. much because clearly I think she was trying to do something different. But the there were a couple of like glaring oversights in terms of the plot that I think like mm. make things cheesy like more like cheesier and more superficial than they could have and so you could have with by adding like what, a few for example uh like there's a scene where you like she mentions there's a scene that alludes to her history of activism but they treat the whole like activity of her 
going on the bus and refusing to give up her seat as like the they they do the old version you know where they ignore that she was like no they didn't they didn't actually say that she was just tired they kind of debunk that but they don't talk about how she was a genuinely radical like lifelong activist and they do show her meeting with like Martin Luther King in her living room and her husband and you know they're talking a little bit about organizing but it doesn't I think it could have been stronger if instead of her being a bit of a sort of you know saint who steps like conflict back at a couple moments that are really important that she could have been a more like she they could have given her a little more agency because it's still like it definitely felt like it had the Selma problem of like Mm -hmm. and even that did a better job of it but like where you have the sort of hagiography of these historical figures without like you know, letting them be yeah. like, there was too much of a halo. And I, I felt like that could have been more interesting. Yeah. I wonder how much of it is like notes from the Beeb who was on the BBC, right? Mm-hmm. Initially uh, notes from the Beeb, you know, like to, <laughs> to a certain extent, everybody, we now have like two versions of history, right? The, the real version of Rosa Parks as a radical black activist and the version we all know. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if like it would require too much work to re-educate everyone in the span of a Doctor Who episode so it's like we're gonna go along with certain tropes so this woman is familiar to everyone and yet at the same time they do so they put so much work into the basic exposition where it's still a fundamentally British show and they say like oh yeah like Rosa, they make a joke about how one of the characters doesn't, he's like, oh yeah, she drove the bus, didn't she? And she's like, you were in a class that was named after like Rosa Parks and like, and you don't remember this? Like, what's wrong with you? And then they talk sure. and they run, they, they straight up like exposition dump so at a diner. So if you have to re-educate people from the get-go anyway, why not give them the actual story? Yeah, like they literally yeah. did not have to make it quite so simplistic. And yeah. I felt like that to me made the storyline treacly rather than powerful and what's weird is that I've read all of these read a bunch of write-ups of it and everybody else seems to have loved it and I just disagree so fundamentally with how things work and I don't know if it's because I am more interested in child-friendly portrayals of historical events that acknowledge the Mm -hmm. realities of, of, of people yeah, like this well, then or, or if it's just like something or if I'm just jaded and a hater but <laughs> I, there were so many things that they did pretty well that like I just felt like it didn't land yeah I mean I think there was a lot of excitement because it is exciting that Doctor Who finally had uh, a black was it the first black writer period definitely the first black woman, woman. might be okay. the first black writer uh, yeah. I mean either way that is bananas that it took that long so there was a lot of excitement over that uh which i understand i also wonder how much control like the writer had over the episode because what happens when you write an episode is a bunch of people have their sticky little hands on it Mm -hmm. so a bunch of stuff could have you know been been moved around taken out added that she had no control over sure and i don't actually think i mean knowing that she's credited like i think when I talk about her specifically, I think I mean more that I want to give her credit for being like for telling a story like this that felt very like throwback where right. before they were dealing with aliens and that was about like tolerance and ex- like taking on racism and prejudice and these issues in a way that was like palatable to children. I mean, that was always the originals, kind of the original mission of the show. So I think it was awesome to see her do it. I just felt like there were things that did that struck me more as like decision by committee or like making it a little bit, 
you know, that there was just something that that didn't work for me. I bet you there was me. a lot of like a lot of this happening. Like, well, I didn't know that about Rosa Parks, so other people won't know it. So we mm-hmm. should take that out. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like those I just, kind of edits where like I don't yeah. know what this is, so I'm just going to assume yeah. other people won't but know I, what it is. I really cannot stress if you're going to go through the trouble of having a scene set in her living room where Martin Luther King Jr. is there. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck can't you add two lines of dialogue where she says, like, where they make it clear that this was planned right. ahead of time, that this was a part of a larger strategy, and that this was something that she'd been doing for a long time. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no, like, I think that's an important point. I think, like, that, and I, I guess maybe because I just know how damaging a historical pop sure, culture yeah. has, like, turned out because to be. Like, Rosa I want to see this. starts to seem yeah. like she was, like a weather phenomenon yeah you know like she was like a lightning strike and you could never possibly replicate like that person in that space mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people don't know that rosa parks wasn't the first black woman to refuse to move uh her seat no that was a pregnant teenager <laughs> yeah uh not the necessarily like the poster child they wanted well, that's why they didn't rally around her yeah. because they knew that they couldn't get the same kind of support and that was right. a calculated decision right um, so, but I, like, yeah. that's why it's important to know that stuff because there was so many political decisions going on about like who would be the face of the movement. Yeah. Rosa Parks, you know, was also a like very well-spoken, intelligent, mm-hmm. badass woman who yeah. was like the right person to yeah. do it for the moment. Um, but yeah, like there was so much planning that went into yeah. it. Just, I think that it would have been a greater tribute to her, uh, like her legacy to have made her like, to show a little bit of how she like knowingly weaponized her intelligence and mm-hmm. veneer and her like respectability as a member of the community right, right. rather than uh, continuing to like uncritically accept that she was like a saint type. Totally. And, um, I mean, on the other, on the other hand, the, the uh, sort of villain in the show, this episode is an 80th century neo-Nazi. <laughs> Like he definitely goes back in time to because he wants to like stop Rosa Parks from sitting oh on like God. from s- refusing to give up her seat Jeez. because then the blacks won't get uppity and then somehow sure. he wouldn't have to be uh, a sexy, sexy galactic criminal. <laughs> I mean, listen, I- I'm sure Nazis would like to go back in time and stop the civil rights movement. Oh yeah, no that that part yeah. rang extremely true. I was like, <laughs> oh, of course we still have Nazis in the 80th century. Oh, of course. They'll always be pissed off white guys. Always, always, mm-hmm. always, always. Until they uh, destroy the universe itself. So, any thoughts? I know we got some who heads. Is that what they're called? Who heads? Uh, Whovians. Whovians yeah, yeah. out there. I like uh, who heads. But seriously, yeah. I just, uh, I feel like there's got to be something that I'm missing and maybe I'm overthinking it. So, if you can explain to me sure. why I'm being too hard on this uh, this, this one, like, hashtag, let me know. Hashtag light trees and pod. What are your thoughts? We like hearing from you guys. Also, while we're in the pop culture section, I wanted to ask you, I don't, are you a fan of Sabrina? I, I never liked the first one, so I didn't have much interest in okay. watching the new one. I am sort of in a similar boat. I was not a fan of the original. Not I that also I, was like too old. I, was, I think that was the problem. It yeah. wasn't that I ever watched it and I was like, this is a bad show. The times I saw part of the episodes, I really liked the ants. Mm-hmm. I think because I was an older kid and yeah. I, like, I, I connected with their humor more. And they always had amazing coats I just remember oh, they had yeah. like faux fur edged coats on yes. everything and it was amazing it, yeah and the house looked really cool yeah. Salem was awesome the the cat the sarcastic uh, black cat was very very funny I thought but 
some friends of mine forced me to watch the, the trailer <laughs> for the chilling adventures of Sabrina, the teenage witch starting, um, what's her name from Mad Men, uh, who turned out to be a great surprise because she was cast very young. Um, Kiernan Shipka. Uh, she was like a baby when they cast her in Mad Men. And then as the show kept going on, it was like, oh, she can actually act. That's oh, yeah. a nice surprise. Um, so I watched the trailer. Trailer's dope. I know. People have been saying that it's it's got potential. It I'm- does have potential. She looks great. It looks very dark, um, which I'm a fan of. You know, I know some people are very eye-rolly about that where they're like, does everything have to be dark and edgy? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. the times it does yeah also, also it I, lo- it's sure i kind of thought the candy colored sabrina of the 90s was annoying as hell yeah, so sure but also it it does have like bright pops of color and it looks like it could be fun as well mm-hmm. so i feel like it could be both there could be dark broody moments and then it's also fun i don't know i'm all about it i like it really she looks great it looks super fun i'm gonna watch it it's gonna be on netflix i mean that's all well and good but like a new season of outlander starts in a couple of weeks and i really need to watch uh some hot people do hot things and i guess now in the colonies this time that's the one where all of like all the wives watch outlander right because it has like hot sex scenes but like hot Oh, it's like incredibly, incredibly hot. I'm rewatching it right now. Uh, Uh, Oh boy, there is some serious, and it's all very female gaze oriented. That's extremely sexy. Um, The third season kind of went off the rails, but I can't stop watching because they finally reunited uh, Jamie and Claire, and now they're. I gotta watch. Yeah, gotta watch. I mean, yeah, but also if you haven't seen and you're interested, uh, serious content warning. There's quite a lot of violence, and um, there are like it doesn't shy away from the fact that it was incredibly rapey time in the mm. uh you know midi- in like the 18th century scotland yeah, so I, like be careful if you're sensitive yeah, to these sure. issues but i get that i i go back and forth on historical stuff like that because i almost feel like not portraying it is very disrespectful yeah. and denialist but at the same time you can tell when like a male director mm-hmm. lingers a little too much on it i actually think they do a very like they do a good job with the scenes and that it doesn't really feel gratuitous but I had forgotten kind of how much I had forgotten how many times she finds herself in this particular danger and I uh it it doesn't take away the show from like from the show for me but just as like I wouldn't it wouldn't be smart for, it wouldn't be nice for me to recommend it to people who want to yes. like get to the hot, hot sex scenes. If you had like knowing you have, you to, have wade to wade through, through. Yeah, for sure. A lot of danger. That's how I feel. Anytime I recommend game of Thrones, I'm like, uh, huge this is disclaimer. way less gratuitous and frustrating <laughs> okay. than game of Thrones. Okay. Also like the guy who plays the main lead is in, in outlander is just so profoundly beautiful. It's like mm-hmm. upsetting. Okay. I've yeah. seen photos of him. Yeah. Oh, and he's got like a he's got a body like a rugby player. Nice. Um sex V and all. So it is very it is like choice. um true to the historical times. Yeah. Yeah. He looks Shave like chest. <laughs> I think so. He looks like a Scottish bruiser for sure. <laughs> See, that's why okay, I know you hate it on my Oliver Jackson Cohen <laughs> obsession. Dude has a hairy fucking chest and rocks it every time he's shirtless. I'm like, God bless, God bless. Don't let, don't let them shave your chest, Oliver. If you don't know who I'm talking about, he plays Luke on The Haunting of Hill House. <laughs> he is my new husband. Thank you for your congratulations. Doesn't shave. Good for you. Don't do it, babe. Love it. Too I mean, I'm, I'm here it. for it. I think I think a hairy chest is good. 
a hundred percent, especially if you were over the age of 18. Yeah. Don't fight your natural state. <laughs> no, unless you're a Timothy Chalamet, you should keep uh, your hair on Timothy your chest. Timothy Chalamet better remain hairless forever. That's an incredibly creepy thing to say, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by it, though. He said something so funny in, in an interview where he was talking about he got a beer burn from making out with Army. Yeah. And he goes, that's not an issue for me because I am perpetually on the cusp of manhood. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny and so true. <laughs> Listen, he's just never going to grow hair, and that's okay. He looks great. All of the hair just goes straight to his beautiful head. Uh, I know. That's why. Mm. That must be why. That luscious mane. We have to move on. <laughs> this is insane that we're we, talking about this. Are you sure we have to go to the bad news? I think we have to go to the bad news to balance out the image of uh, Timothy Chalamet's gorgeous mane in your heads. <laughs> You're like, I could not be happier right now. Here comes the wrecking ball named Allison. Here is your bad news crash. All right, we got to talk about fucking Ted Cruz. And some of us remember, some of us remember that in the 2016 presidential race, there was a lot of bad blood between Trump and Cruz. I oh, mean, a lot. Trump uh, just said terrible things about Ted Cruz's wife and his family. And uh, Ted Cruz tried to be like a little tough guy. And then it was clear that Trump was going to be the Republican nominee. And he did a complete 180 and was like, uh, we're buddies now. And it was very pathetic. And everyone made fun of Ted Cruz for being spineless. Now... Uh, they've done another 180, which is, I mean, I guess it's not a one. It's a continuation of the initial 180. It's a further debasement. Yes. Where Trump, who used to call Ted Cruz Lion Ted, because he was testing that out before yep. he used it on Hillary Clinton, Lion Hillary. He's very creative in addition to being a great He just leader. likes to workshop things, you know? <laughs> yeah. He likes to test in front of a, a smaller audience before he goes national with it. Now he is calling Ted Cruz Beautiful Ted. Which is really not an improvement at all. <laughs> it's just like, like, speaking of people being creepy, I was being creepy in the pop culture section. Um, this is just a creepier version. Like, beautiful, te- like, what does that mean? Um, it doesn't mean anything. It's it's even, it's actually more emasculating. It's mm. like managed to, like, to, uh, to, to diss him while sort of praising him for this which is probably exactly the kind of bullying thing that you know trump does sure, all the time sure. so yeah it's like um like a backhanded compliment i don't know is it's, it even backhanded no it's just a straight up uh display of dominance that you know is like oh you're beautiful and it's like you know you're you're beautiful and you're like sissy like he's just like suddenly he's managed to say <laughs> does, like does uh trump not know how to praise men and he's just like what would i say to a woman who i'm trying to humiliate yeah i think he doesn't yeah, it makes sense. So I also wanted to talk about Megyn Kelly. Oh, yeah. Whose show was she on? I thought she was on the Today Show. Okay. Was it the Today Show? Yeah, maybe it was. So Yeah, it was on her hour of the Today Show, which is still on. Oh, that was my question. I was like, does Megyn Kelly still have her own show? Yeah, they, they have not canceled it yet. All right. This is just bananas to me. And also, I'm like, is this just a ratings grab? But whatever. No, it's she's a racist. But anyway, she was talking about Halloween and Halloween costumes, or I guess that's what the panel was talking about. And they were talking about how uh, like racist Halloween costumes. And she goes... 
But what is racist? You truly do get into trouble if you're a white person who puts on blackface at Halloween or a black person who puts on whiteface for Halloween, which is not a thing. You don't get in trouble if you no, do that. No, you do not. Uh, back when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character. I mean, I know she's she's what, 50? Something? Is she? I don't know. Wow. I don't know. She, maybe, she's got, maybe she's in her 40s. Let me say. Like, all I'm saying, I was just to say that like I don't think she's that much older than us and so all I can think is I'm fairly certain it was not okay she's 47 I just have to say she looks great that's besides the point though I did not think she was that old but yeah I mean my point was only that even a 47 year old when growing up unless you were growing up with a bunch of racists it was not cool to wear blackface no I actually I was thinking about this the other day because there was definitely shit that like my generation did that now would be like oh like I remember for Girl Scouts in order to honor the Native Americans quote unquote we were all uh, charged with making our own teepees Mm -hmm. oh yeah there was I mean disrespecting the disabled uh, I was Cleopatra one Halloween yeah but I mean which was literally just like a white dress and like a kind of sparkly crown. And it was like, that's Cleopatra. I didn't do brown face, but like looking back on that, it was like, oh yeah, that was me pretending to be like an African queen. That's not good. Yeah. I just think, yeah. Thinking about it is like, if she was and the, yeah, no, you just don't do yeah. that. Yeah. We're definitely like totally normal at the time to do racist things towards Native Americans for sure. But like 30 years ago when we were kiddos, like it was my parents would never in a million years have let me get in Black within face? a thousand miles yeah. of a costume that changed my race I in feel any like way. I grew up knowing blackface was racist. I yeah. don't think I ever saw it. And I'm sure, I don't know how I knew that. I don't think my parents ever sat me down and they were like, blackface is racist. Yeah. But at no point did I see anyone do that for Halloween. And if they had done it, it would have been like, mm, wash your face immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I love that she throws in or a black person who puts on white face just so she's like, both sides, guys, both sides. It's like no black person does that. Uh, and also that's not racist because there's no history of racist blackface. Like there's no white face equivalent of that. Um, but yeah, I, Megyn Kelly, much like Steve King, I feel like shit like this keeps happening and people are like, is she racist? And it's like, yes, she cannot be clearer about this, the fact that she's racist. She said Jesus was absolutely, I mean, the white Christmas thing is Santa. Santa, Yeah, Santa's always white. Yeah, and also I feel like there were a bunch of think pieces that came out around that time where they were like, being a good feminist means supporting Megyn Kelly as well, even if you don't agree with shit she says. And once again, I am here to tell you that is not correct. (laughs) You don't have to support Megyn Kelly just because she happens to be a woman. She's also a vicious racist who shouldn't have her own show. Oh, that's kind of what I was wondering. I was like, is this just her desperate attempt at like grabbing ratings because she knows it's going to go viral? I I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that she's that calculated because sure. um, it's not going to keep her. I actually think that the whole reason that the show is still on is that they're not going to cancel her con- contract until after the election. Oh, sure. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So like, they'll do a shakeup based on like whoever becomes a star, like has become a star and let me see and like see what happens. So right. who knows? Right. I guess she referenced, uh, I got to mention this because it combines my two loves. Um, my two loves. I guess just it references my one love, Bravo. Uh, she mentioned Luann, the Countess Luann, 
dressed up as Diana Ross with what appeared to be a darker makeup during a premiere of the Real Housewives of New York earlier this year. So I haven't seen the Real Housewives this year. I did not know Luann did that. Um, Luann immediately drew criticism for the look, which many perceived to be blackface and issued an apology. And uh, Luann said, I was being an impersonator for Halloween. I didn't mean to offend anyone by being Diana Ross for Halloween. It just didn't even kind of enter my mind. Okay. I wasn't at all worried about that. And all of a sudden it became a thing. Okay. So Luann's explaining white privilege. Yeah, <laughs> She's is... like, it didn't even enter my mind. Right. Cause you're a wealthy white lady. Uh, yeah. I feel like the God SNL still does this sometimes mm-hmm. where they don't do full blackface, but they'll like darken someone's complexion. Mm-hmm. That's a version of blackface. Yeah. Uh, it's like a softer, friendlier version. But it's still that. Don't do that. They did it with Fred Armisen a mm. bunch on SNL. Um, oh, they did it with uh, Jimmy Fallon. When Jimmy Fallon was on SNL, they darkened his skin. Don't do that. I, I would hope SNL wouldn't do that now because they have more people of color on their writing staff yeah. and someone would be like, what the fuck is this? Well, didn't, um, I think there was a joke during 2016 that they had um, one woman who was uh of one heritage like she actually makes a joke about how like i am you know i am here this like basically that she was like i am the uh only ethnic woman right now and so i'm going to play this one journalist who's like moderating the oh, debate and yeah it was, like, they, i think it, it was, was melissa very... villasenor and then yeah. like she was playing one of the like debate moderators yeah um which was at least a it was a necessary version thing yeah. to do but i would much I was, rather that and also like a fuck you to snl the fact that they still have to do that shit yeah but i would much rather that than like yeah uh, melissa having to like darken her skin or something yeah. yeah um so i also wanted to talk about i feel like the jamal kashagi story every update is more insane than the last yes it is utterly utterly bonkers so originally when we were covering this story i talked about what the saudis were claiming which was that jamal khashoggi left the embassy he went out a different door and that they were like confident at the time that surveillance video would show that he did this so it turns out that they dressed up a saudi operative in jamal khashoggi's clothing real clothes that they like stripped him out of after they killed him in a horrific way allegedly uh and had him go out so mm. they would have like some kind of plausible deniability did he also put on a fake beard oh maybe yes i think he also yeah. put on a fake beard uh he was wearing a fake beard mm-hmm. yeah and they sent him out so there would be like footage of someone walking around in Jamal Khashoggi's clothing. Like, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like so fucking shady. Like, I mean, not that there would be a, a, a respectable way to kill a journalist, but this is so fucking bizarre. It's well, it's bizarre and it's brazen, brazen and yeah. it's uh, it's, you know, I think I've said this before on the show. Like, it's just so indicative of how little respect uh mbs has for the international community when it comes to like dealing with people he doesn't like yeah and now obviously like turkey and saudi arabia have beef there's no one to root for in that like erdogan's a monster i mean erdogan tried to get someone sent to prison for comparing him to Gollum. yeah (laughs) which is like very funny and also accurate Um, But Erdogan on Tuesday offered more details about uh, how Khashoggi was killed earlier this month, saying his death was likely a planned operation. 
Uh, Erdogan told lawmakers in Turkey, the information obtained so far and the evidence found uh, shows that Khashoggi was murdered in a ferocious manner. Um, so, like, you can't even be happy that, like, President Erdogan is cracking down hard on the Saudis because, like, Erdogan and Turkey have a horrible track record with journalists mm-hmm. and dissidents in general. And again, like, if we didn't need them because they're geographically advantageously placed in that region, we would absolutely acknowledge the fact that they have a horrific human rights record, mm-hmm. like Saudi Arabia. Yeah. But now to watch Turkey and Saudi Arabia, like, each pretending that they care about journalists is, like, so fucking weird. Oh, no, it's amazing. It's like we're watching because they have such a huge and and terrible history together. And they're, like, in, you know, whatever horrible standoff right now. Yeah, it's just realizing this is, could be really, really bad. And it has terrible implications that these two dictators are, you know, squaring off with a dick measuring contest <laughs> over the like brutal murder and dismemberment of a journalist. So it's just, I mean, it's disrespectful. I mean, the human rights violation of murdering him in the first place, but also like it's disrespectful to be using his death as, you know, a way to humiliate or cause trouble for Saudi Arabia. And it definitely, yeah, it doesn't take away that he's one of the most notorious journalist jailers in the world yeah. at the moment. Meanwhile, like Trump can't fanboy over authoritarian leaders enough. Oh no, he's got such a big boy crush on Erdogan. Yeah, like who do you think he loves more between the like the Saudi royals and Erdogan? I don't know. I mean I think he probably loves Erdogan because he's a tough guy, but he almost certainly owes everybody in the Saudi royal family money. <laughs> well I mean there were the uh, people are playing like the audio clips now of yeah. Trump talking to his donors where he's like, I love the Saudis. I do so much business with them and now like he's frantically trying to walk that back where it's like everybody knows the trump's do Mm -hmm. business with the saudis Mm -hmm. like it is well known uh you can't walk that back (laughs) that's out there now you were bragging about it (laughs) yeah you thought it was a great thing not too long ago yeah um so also in bad news uh kushner all right so Kushner, this is so gross. This is like, oh, what is this? Somebody else recently did this where it's like something that people, something good that people are actually calling for, which is prison reform. Oh, you mean when Kim Kardashian went on Alec Baldwin's show and talked, like television show and then talked about wanting prison reform? I did not watch. I oh, did I didn't watch it either. I just read a recap that was like, this is a perfect encapsulation. Like him talking about how he wanted to hit on her when he saw her, met her first uh, at a party and then asking her questions about prison reform and Kanye. And I was like, we're in hell. And this is proof. Couple things. I forgot Alec Baldwin had a show. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. He has another one. I feel like Kim's actually a little above Kushner here because it would it would be like if Kim was calling for prison reform because one of her relatives was in prison. Yeah, well, she's definitely actually helping people who are like the profile of people who actually need, need help. help. Which like yeah. points. That's good. I'm I'm pro anybody any useless celebrity using their status for good. Yeah. I'm like. Go on. Yeah. Jared, keep, yeah. Jared yeah. Kushner is just a, you know, he's he's just trying to get his daddy his out of dad. prison. Okay. So in case you don't know, in 2004, uh, Charles Kushner, who's Jared's daddy, uh, was a huge real estate mogul. He pled guilty to 18 counts of making illegal campaign contributions, tax evasion, and witness tampering, after which he spent 14 months in prison. Jared finds all of this deeply unfair. 
and visited his father in federal prison nearly every weekend, according to the Washington Post. The incident affected Kushner deeply. He decided he no longer wanted to become a prosecutor. Seeing my father's situation, I felt what happened was obviously unjust in terms of the way they pursued him, he told The Real Deal in 2014. I just never wanted to be on the other side of that and cause pain to the families I was doing that to, whether right or wrong. Well, it's a great thing that he found a way to cause fam- like pain for families <laughs> in a completely he's, new and different way. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's tearing families apart with this administration. Um, yeah. And I also just think it's ridiculous where it's like, hold on. Your dad actually did something criminal. Yeah. Like, and also, by the way, so does Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner's in all kinds of hot water for tax evasion as well. All rich people should be in hot water for tax evasion because they have gamed the system. And that's why our country is going bankrupt because rich people don't pay taxes. Not that they don't even pay, pay their fair share in taxes. They don't pay them. They don't pay taxes. That's really the issue. So also the way they pursued him, like as in building a case that would stand (laughs) up in court like Like, he's (laughs) acting like his father's a black man who had drugs planted on him by the nypd like also he got caught trying to blackmail his own brother (laughs) just like (laughs) a classy family all around yeah i mean the fact that and that's what's so gross and nefarious about jared kushner calling for prison reform using his father as an example where it's like no no your dad's a shining example of someone who should be in jail yeah and who should be held accountable because he was robbing the the country and mm-hmm. he was just generally a terrible human being we are talking about usually poor people of color uh who are marginalized and and don't have enough money for a good lawyer like your daddy did yeah. your daddy hired a good lawyer and was so guilty he went to jail yeah <laughs> uh but like it's just extra gross because this actually is a huge problem it does need to be addressed charles kushner is not the poster boy for it no ew but then again like trump Pardon Dinesh D'Souza. So, like, yeah, these are the people true. that that these monsters believe definitely need to get out of jail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the rest of it is just lip service to seem a little bit more human in their skin suits. Sure. Oh, what a gross but accurate way to say that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I've heard it before, skin suit. But, like, literally every time I think about it, I'm like, that's just gross. But also accurate. Guys, that was a lot of bad news. I think that's enough. I think we can end things on Charles Kushner. Gross. And Jared Kushner. Skin suits. (laughs) Here is your good news. So I feel like this is a an ongoing theme in the good news section because on yesterday's episode, I praised Chelsea Handler mm-hmm. sort of begrudgingly. But also, I think it's fair if somebody does a good to, you know, uh, pat him on the head a little bit. So Geraldo Rivera and Sean Hannity recently went at it uh, over, shockingly, immigration. Um They got into the heated argument on Monday night as the two hosts sparred over the so-called caravan of Central American asylum seekers trying to reach the United States. 
by the way, like I feel like a lot of this could be addressed if the media, I, I realize asking Fox news to do this is like a bridge too far, mm-hmm. but like CNN and MSNBC stop using the fucking word caravan. Yeah. Just say groups of refugees. That's mm-hmm. what they are. Anyway. Um, or maybe just, don't cover it in the way that it's being covered. The fear mongering. Whenever like, they show the map and like the moving dot, it's like, come on. I was like, why don't you just like, why don't you, anyway, does it, like, write more stories about what the people have been going through and less about like the, the horror, like the journey itself as the in threat. like, they'll be here soon. Yeah. Like in the, when you use words like march, like stuff like that, that makes them sound like an invading army, mm-hmm. you know, it, just be mindful of the language you're using. Anyway. So Sean Manity, Sean Manity, <laughs> Sean Manity, Sean Manity. <laughs> Hannity, that's your Halloween costume. <laughs> Sean Manity. Sean Manity. <laughs> Sean Hannity insisted that the immigrants should not be allowed in, nor should they even be able to reach the border. Rivera said the migrants were desperate to improve their lot in life and asked, what are we going to do about them? We're not going to let them in, Geraldo. Not this way, Hannity replied. We have a sovereignty and border issue here. We have laws. Yeah, so a then, law that allows these people to present themselves at the border right. and claim asylum. That is a law. So then Rivera replies, what are you going to do? Shoot him, Sean? What are you going to do? Shoot him? <laughs> oh, my God. So Hannity said <laughs> no, but added that the migrants need to be stopped in Mexico. So it's like, what does that mean? Oh, wait. The and then, next, wait, wait, Sebastian Gorka was there, of course, because uh, you just need a Nazi in this conversation. Well, I was going to say, like, what happens next is actually the best part. <laughs> so Gorka goes, this is really beneath you, Geraldo. And then apparently they, like, just a lot of crosstalk and shouting after that. But, like, the fact that Gorka was there as well, and he's like, this is beneath you, Geraldo. So Aww. I just wanted to shout out Geraldo for, um, that is the logical conclusion of what Sean Hannity is arguing for. When he's uh, like, you yeah. have to stop them, they have to be stopped. You're advocating for a violent force yeah you just want i mean stop 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 but with no thought like yes you clearly believe that it's okay to um to stop them violently right and there you you don't have a policy plan you're Mm -hmm. just sort of like we have to stop them and at a certain point they're i mean we already have. you literally want them to disappear and that and like and what that actually means in practice is something that you don't plan on thinking about um yeah i mean we already have armed militias on the border when they hear Sean Hannity saying they have to be stopped. What do you yeah. think they're going to interpret that to yeah. mean? I mean, we have armed militias in fucking waffle houses these days, but you know, somebody's got to guard my waffles, mm-hmm. Meredith, and you've never given me a good answer of who's going to guard them without armed militias. So, uh, please send me your <laughs> Sean Manity costumes for Halloween. Hashtag light trees and pod. I want to see them. I just think it would be like an aggressively heterosexual suit. Oh, I was thinking about a manatee with the hair. Oh, that's funnier. I like that. Do that, what Meredith <laughs> said. Uh, so I have to talk about this Republican. Oh, this was so beautiful. Who was the other family? Uh, Gosar in yes. um, Nevada. No, not He's Nevada. Nevada. He's Nevada. Arizona, Arizona. is the other one. Yeah. Okay. So we covered that family when we, it was six siblings all saying that they hate him and the, the original <laughs> commercial was so well done where it was just like six different people talking shit about this candidate and at the end they say their names and they all have the last names and then they're like i'm his sister i'm his brother i'm his other sister and they all are urging you not to vote for their brother because he's such a piece of shit oh i love so there's another family like this uh, this time, Adam Laxalt, who's a Republican candidate in Nevada's gubernatorial race and the state's current 
attorney general. Oh, I've heard terrible things about him, too. So anyway, yeah. continue. Twelve of his family members published an op-ed in the Reno Gazette Journal urging Nevadans to vote against him. Why? Because they say he's a liar who is unqualified for the state's executive branch. So I'm going to read some excerpts from this bananas column. First, for those of us who were actually raised in Nevada, it's difficult to hear him continue to falsely claim that he was raised in Nevada or has any true connections to Nevadans. The simple fact is that while he may have been born in Reno, he left as an infant and was raised on the East Coast, 3,000 miles away in Washington, D.C., and moved here only in 2013, only one year later launching his political career. Aside from the occasional short visit, Adam never knew the state or its people. Perhaps if he had, he would stand for Nevada's values rather than for those of his out-of-state donors. <laughs> so then they go on. Uh, the family took issue with a promotional video for the event in which tractors and hay, hay bales are prominently arranged in a manner that oozes such phoniness that even extends to Laxalt's attire. So this is from the <laughs> column. Adam is dressed in a Western shirt monogrammed with his campaign logo, work boots, and jeans that look like they were or ordered off Amazon the week before. I'm sorry, Yikes. the your jeans look like they were ordered off of Amazon <laughs> a week ago is the sickest burn, burn. ever. Also, they were 100% ordered on Amazon. <laughs> uh, next up, they get to his qualifications. If Adam is elected governor, these values will be put in danger. Public lands will become less accessible for hunters and fishers and backpackers. Adam's positions on health care and reproductive rights would limit how Nevadans care for their bodies or be free from government interference in relationships as sacred and personal as marriage. Adam wants to repeal hundreds of millions of dollars of education funding, even though he knows full well that Nevada is ranked 49th in the state for pre-K-12 education. They also believe he's a hypocrite for his anti-immigration stances, despite the history of immigration in the state of Nevada and their own family history. The Washington Post reports that as Attorney General, Laxalt opposed former President Barack Obama's deportation deferral program, and under President Trump, he has supported the administration's efforts to penalize sanctuary cities. Um, so, by the way, like when I say family members, uh, it's several aunts, cousins, like his whole family. Mm -hmm. like, Holy crap. A, a, like a dozen of his like extended family members in the genuinely close like way. I have a question. Has this ever, I don't want to say ever happened before because I'm sure there have been family members. I'm not members. familiar with other instances. I mean like um, Candace Gingrich was a real thorn. Newt Gingrich's half-sister was a, a real thorn in Newt's side during the 90s. And I knew her a little bit when I was growing up. And she's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but that was more... She just worked for progressive causes. It wasn't like, oh, I'm yeah, going to do that. Yeah, and there's definitely like a, been like... Um like Bill Clinton's brother. Like there's well, been yeah, siblings who are like embarrassing and stuff like that. But yeah, I can't had, think like, of know, another. Reagan's children came out as liberals sure, or something. But sure. this isn't, there hasn't been something like this. Usually they don't publicly then bad mouth. No, no, there, there haven't been campaign ads. I mean, people really seem to think that this is a. So my question is like, what is, is this just like we're a more divided country than ever? I mean, I, I may be, <laughs> I, I, I guess, like, I think that people have become jaded to political advertising in some ways. Sure. I also think that there is a sense of personal responsibility that certain people are taking. Like, I don't think that it's 
that it's spite or animosity that's led these people to decide they needed to speak out against their own family members. I think that they probably genuinely were distressed by how gross of a person, mm-hmm. like how gross these people were, and that ultimately like decided to do that. I mean, writing an op-ed is different from making a campaign, a campaign thing because you don't, like, it's not like the Reno paper was going to go to a dozen relatives and be like, hey, you guys want to sign on to an op-ed criticizing your cousin? Like, the family must have come together and decided to do that. Yeah. So so there's, I think there's an element, the the television, I guess they did say in the Gosar video, um, they reached out to the the camp, you know, his opponent's campaign, but um, oh, that was like an extra burn where it's like, oh, and by the way, we called him, he didn't call us. Yeah, uh, yeah. so there is some of that, and I don't know, maybe people just feel like there's no, it's like not something to, there's nothing to lose now. It's interesting that it's so far because I'm not claiming it couldn't easily swing the other way, but Republican candidates with Democrat or at least like more left-winging family members criticizing Mm -hmm. them. Oh, well, I mean, they're like Republican family members just like threaten violence or whatever, you know, I guess. I I was wondering if it was also like a result of people on the left feeling like so disenfranchised, especially after this election where again, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote vote by like 3 million of not, believing enough in elections anymore where they're like you know what we actually have to weigh in yeah maybe I don't know it's hard for me to say just because I have so I'm I'm just so turned off by the way that things I'm so turned off by the discourse why can't we all just get along <laughs> wait no that's not me uh <laughs> some of this shit just you know I want the democrats to be more effective and so maybe what this is is just some of them some people finally like getting their shit together Mm. and speaking out and calling things as unacceptable rather than trying to get along I mean I think that ultimately there's going to be lots of arguments about whether or not this stuff is going to be effective I think Jennifer Lewis has a chance in the governor's race I know that Paul Gosar is in an incredibly uh, Republican district so he's probably going to win even as a piece of shit um, but people will say well this kind of attitude this approach didn't work Susan Collins was so turned off by people sending coat hangers to her office and all of the protests and <laughs> sure, the nastiness that's like, why it went, uh, it went but I think that we just have to do that other like it needs to continue because like they're not going to stop like genuinely threatening our interests i truly this is one of my favorite strategies Mm -hmm. the family getting together to shit talk the candidate is like unbelievable yeah i love it so much uh so in the few minutes we have left is there anything that you would recommend people do oh i have a self-care thing oh yes uh, while you're thinking on anything you're looking forward to or anything you've seen or eaten lately that's given you joy. So I recently, I have, a, maybe you're like this too. I have a bit of a problem where even if I'm like going through a lot of depression and a lot of stuff, if other people are going through stuff, I like just compartmentalize what I'm mm-hmm. going through and I'm always like reaching out to other people to make yep. sure they're okay. Uh, I recently gave myself permission not to do that. <laughs> I was talking with a friend of mine and he was like, uh, you should take care of yourself yeah. and like not do that. And I was like, oh, wow. And mm-hmm. I, I like I let people know that I was here if they want to come to me. But I, I don't overextend myself in the same way that I used to. Yeah, you're Especially, actually I'm like, yeah. 
not to be selfish, but I'm like, if I'm not getting it ever in return, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to yeah. put myself out there. That's really smart. Yeah. Just like to uh, do self-care. Yeah. Self-care. It is important. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, my God. I had a thing and now it's disappearing. Was it something that you were going to wreck or something you're looking forward to? It was a... Nope. <laughs> it wasn't a recommendation. Okay. Uh, keep talking about self-care for a second. Yeah. So, and I felt really bad about that because, you know, as someone who was raised Catholic, you feel like a lot of guilt mm-hmm. where it's like, but am I a bad friend? And literally no one thinks you're a bad person. No, nobody thinks about it at all. Yeah. I mean, kind of sadly, I don't think anyone realized like I do check in on people as much as I do either. I think they just sort of like were like, oh, that's what you do. But they also don't resent you for it if you're not doing it anymore. No, absolutely So not. that was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, I would say a giant recommendation for drinking some apple cider, whether Ooh. cool or spiced and hot. Oh, that sounds so good. Incredibly autumnal and wonderful. And mm. I feel like that's great. Um you know, also just enjoying slightly crisp fall weather. Very much a big thing. God, I need to do that because I got real moody real fast as soon yeah. as it cooled off. It would mm. also be cool if my heat worked. Maybe yeah. that's part of the problem too. Um, oh, I have a request. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, New York Public Radio and <gasps> Gothamist is doing a New York City's cutest pet contest. Mm-hmm. And I may have entered Rosa Luxembourg in it. So I kind of hope people will vote for her. So this episode's going to go up Thursday. That's just fine. Remember to tweet me the yep. link to the vote and I'll retweet it from like trees and newses. We got this guys. Yeah. It's a really cute picture and she's great. And I think it would be really fun to buy her some new toys with the really cute. She has earned it. She deserves yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She's a superstar. So we're asking you to vote in all kinds of things. Vote for the cutest pet. Vote in the midterms. Are you registered to vote? Triple check that. Yeah. Who's ready for the midterms to be over? Me. I'm so excited. I feel like uh, I've just been, I was telling someone this where I'm like, I have been depressed for two years. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Like no exaggeration. Just constant depression. Two years. Um, Oh my God. One more thing too. It's like, guys, Friday. When you're listening to this, it's going to yes. be tomorrow. Yeah. Robin's new album is out. <gasps> oh, my God. Yes. So uh, you have your listening for the weekend. Yes. Um, Did I ever tell you I was at a club in D.C. because I was in D.C. for the Improv Festival? I always say that because I don't want people to think I just go to D.C. It's okay. Uh, I, I wasn't being a shitty person. I was there for some kind of artistic endeavor. And they played Honey at... A club, just because I think they were so excited that there was a new Robin track. Yeah. Honey's not a club track. <laughs> and like, it was so funny to watch a bunch of people like simultaneously so happy that they were listening to Robin, but waiting for the beat to drop. They were like, where is it? <laughs> where is it though? How do I dance oh, to this? It's like, God. you don't dance to this. You just listen to it. White people. <laughs> it, like, truly, it was one of the things. It wasn't just white people. It was everyone like, yeah, the DJ is playing this because we dance at some point, right? Nope, you just appreciate that you're listening to Robin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what Honey is. Um, also, the video for Honey is very cool. I've never seen it before. But yeah, guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. 
please tell your friends about the show. I see you whenever you, um, people will occasionally be like, what podcast should I listen to? And I see you every time when you recommend us. And I so appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>